The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Seneca's letter number 59 on pleasure and joy, and I'm just going to read the first three paragraphs. I received great pleasure from your letter. Kindly allow me to use these words in their everyday meaning without insisting upon their Stoic import. For we Stoics hold that pleasure is a vice. Very likely it is a vice, but we are accustomed to use the word when we wish to indicate a happy state of mind. I'm aware that if we test words by our formula, even pleasure is a thing of ill repute, and joy can be attained only by the wise. For joy is an elation of spirit, of a spirit which trusts in the goodness and truth of its own possessions. The common usage, however, is that we derive great joy from a friend's position as consul, or from his marriage, or from the birth of his child. But these events, so far from being matters of joy, are more often the beginnings of sorrow to come. No, it is a characteristic of real joy that it never ceases and never changes into its opposite. Accordingly, when our Virgil speaks of, quote, the evil joys of the mind, end quote, his words are eloquent but not strictly appropriate, for no joy can be evil. He has given the name joy to pleasures and has thus expressed his meaning, for he has conveyed the idea that men take delight in their own evil. Okay, that's the end of the excerpt here. So I'm really not so interested in going into the meaning of, uh, of Seneca's words there. I'm more interested in the fact that he makes this distinction between pleasure and joy and says that pleasure is always a, uh, a vice or, uh, or something that is a, harbin, uh, 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 a harbinger of, uh, of, what does he say? Harbinger of, I mean, he doesn't use the word harbinger, of Ill, Ill repute or sorrow to come, right? What is, yeah, yeah, uh, are more often the beginnings of sorrow to come, right? And joy is something that is attained only by the wise, okay? Uh, and what I wanted to talk about really here is that, you know, in Judaism, we also have this idea that there is a type of simcha, a type of joy or, or pleasure that is associated with the animalistic part of man. And then we also have a type of, of simcha that is associated with the uh, the higher part of man uh, and is uh, a, an actual virtue. And uh, I think, though, that there is a category that's in between that I, I can't say for certain that the Stoics don't have an equivalent of this, but I have not seen it. And it's something that Judaism uh, is very prominent in Judaism, and that is simcha shel mitzvah, a joy of mitzvah. Okay, and I want to read excerpts from a Gemara here just to set the stage, okay? And then uh, I'll segue into the main topic of this episode. So the Gemara is in Shabbos, Daf, Lamed, Amad Beis, and uh, it's discussing why Chazal, why the sages wanted to, quote-unquote, ban the book of Kohelas, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes. Uh, and when I say ban, it doesn't mean that they wanted to prohibit people from reading it, but they wanted to take it out of the the corpus of uh of scripture, of Torah Bechsav. And one of the reasons that they give is because its words contradict, the words in the book contradict each other. Okay, so it goes through a bunch of examples of this. And one of the examples, and again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the Gemara, I'm not paraphrasing, I'm, I'm 
excerpting just the relevant parts from the Gemara here. Okay, the Gemara has more than what's written, but uh, I'm just pulling out certain parts here. So it says, Ksiv, it is written in Kohelis 8.15, V'shibachti ani Simcha. I praised Simcha, I praised joy. Uksiv, and it is also written in Kohelis 2.2, Simcha mazo osa. And Simcha, joy, what does this accomplish? Okay, so that's that's a contradiction because he's saying on the one hand he's praising Simcha, joy, and on the other hand he's saying what does Simcha, joy, accomplish? So the Gemara answers, Lokasha, this is not a contradiction. Okay, why? He says, Vishibachti Aniyasa Simcha, I praised Simcha, Simcha shall mitzvah. That's referring to Simcha of mitzvah. Ula Simcha Mazo Osa, Zo Simcha She'ena shall mitzvah. And when he says, uh, uh, what does simcha accomplish? That is a simcha that is not of mitzvah. Okay, and Rashi gives an example when he says, uh, simcha shal mitzvah, he says, kagon hachnasas kala. He says, like a uh, like a wedding, okay? Okay, so again, the answer basically that the Gemara gives here is that simcha shal mitzvah, a simcha that is associated with a mitzvah is something that is praiseworthy, and simcha that is not of the mitzvah is not praiseworthy, okay? Now, why am I bringing this in? And uh, don't worry, I'll tie it all together, uh, but... I, I really wanted to make this episode as a um, as a reflection on a very very joyous wedding of a, of a good friend that uh, that I attended on Sunday. Okay, so this is a friend of uh, of mine who I have known uh, since he was a little kid, uh, and uh, eventually we started learning together when he was in yeshiva and on uh, on holidays and. Uh, and you know we became even closer through through Torah, and so it was a really joyous wedding. A lot of people from my community were there, and uh, and it was tons of fun. Uh, and the interesting thing is like this: is that at many Jewish weddings, then or at least in New York, I should say, in many many Orthodox Jewish weddings, then there is uh, there is Jewish music, okay, and only Jewish music, <laughs> and. Uh, for most people, that's not a bad thing. Uh, I personally, because of my the remnants of my music snobbery from my youth, uh, and also because I actually uh, I, I, I do have a taste in music, which would uh, which would indicate that uh, that many many Jewish songs are not to my liking, and I think are objectively bad. But anyway, that, that that's a personal opinion. So many of these weddings have Jewish Jewish music, and the dancing is all done according to Jewish music. In this wedding, there was Jewish music for the first dance. And then in the second dance, it started off with Jewish music, and then uh, it progressed to, I believe, Arabic music, and then ended up being uh, having American music. And then at some point, this was a very long second dance. It was like uh, the about I, I would say like an hour and a half. Uh, eventually, the lights went off, and uh, and you know neon flashing things came out, and the uh, and the, the nature of the music changed, and it basically was like. A rave. Now, I've never been to an actual rave, but from if I showed you the video of it, then you would agree that oh yeah, that was like a rave. Okay, so so I found it. I found it an interesting thing to just contemplate that just on an experiential level of this this segue from a from a traditional Jewish wedding into what ultimately became a a, a, a rave, and I was. Uh, I was thinking about the fact that if you just took a snapshot or a video, or if you just like, whatever, if you if you just went to that last part of the of the wedding, it really would be indistinguishable from uh, from from a a non Jewish wedding. Okay, uh, I mean, except for the fact that like there was not you know all out mixed dancing, but 
but the in terms of the, the the music that was playing and the emotions that the majority of the people were feeling, I'm sure, and the and the the lyrics of the songs, you know, I think it is a it, it would be indistinguishable from a, a non-Jewish wedding. Okay, yet I want to argue that, and I, I thought this as I was in the in the wedding that. This is a perfect example of Simcha Shal Mitzvah. Now, what is Simcha Shal Mitzvah? Simcha Shal Mitzvah is when, okay, I guess there's two levels of Simcha Shal Mitzvah, right? There's the Simcha that you actually get from the, 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 for lack of a better term, the perfection we gain from the Mitzvah itself, right? Every Mitzvah is given for one of three reasons, uh, according to the Rambam and the Ramban, either to reinforce true ideas and uh, uproot false ideas, so intellectual reasons, Two, to instill good character traits and to remove bad character traits, so ethical reasons. And third is to promote justice, righteousness, and kindness in society and to uh, remove their opposites. So that's societal reasons. So there is a true joy that a person can get from those uh, the, the outcomes of, uh, of that mitzvah, from you know, the fact that you're engaging in this action that was commanded by God that is objectively good for you. But then the, the, there's another level of Simcha Mitzvah, which is that you're taking a physical or psychological experience of pleasure and joy, and you're framing it within the context of the Torah's ideas and values. And, and what that does is it takes this, what would have been a purely animalistic psychological pleasure disconnected with true human life, and it, it elevates it into something that basically brings the entire human organism in line with with true ideas and true values. In other words, in the, so let, let's, let's just walk you through this case here. You know, so what what was this wedding? Well, and I, I, I realize that there's a lot of ideas here. I'm not going to go through all the ideas. In fact, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, this is not a sheer on, on all the philosophical ideas in a wedding, but let me just take one example is, is one of the things that, that, that characterizes a wedding is the Sheva Brachos, which are really recited twice. Once under the chuppah when the couple get married and then the other at the end, at the very end of the festivities at the Birkaz Amazon, when we have the, the blessing over the, the meals and what are Sheva Brachos? Essentially it is a philosophical walkthrough of what the purpose of man is, what the purpose of the universe is and the purpose of man and how this wedding fits in. Right? So you start off after Briagathan, which is blessing God for the creating of the fruit of the vine, which again, the wine is one of the key ingredients in a Jewish uh, celebration. And, and the fact that we frame it in the context of recognizing God as the creator of wine and, uh, and not just like a, uh, 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 you know, delectable, pleasurable thing that we taste that, that, that sets the, the tone. Okay. But then we have the first of the actual Sheva Brachos, is uh blessed are you Hashem, our God, King of the Universe, Yotzer uh, sorry, Uh that everything was created for his glory, for God's glory. And that's uh, an expression of the idea that the entire universe exists and manifests the wisdom of uh, and will of the of the creator. And that, that is the that's the most we can say about the purpose of the universe, that it manifests the greatness of God's wisdom. Okay. So that's saying the purpose of the universe. Second bracha, Yotzer Ha'adam. Uh, the one, uh, blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the universe, who, uh, the, the one who formed man. Okay, that's acknowledging that man is a creation of God who is a part of that of that universe uh, that manifests his wisdom. Third bracha is, Adam, 
uh, blessed are you, Hashem, God, King of the Universe, um, who formed man in his in his tzelem, meaning with uh, a truth-seeking mind that is capable of of apprehending abstract ideas. He fashioned him with in the form and likeness of God. Again, that's the idea that man has an intellect and free will. And, and established for him a, a building that lasts for eternity. Not sure what that's referring to. Uh, Blessed are you, Hashem, who creates, who forms man. Okay, I'm not going to go through all these things, but then the next three brachos really are talking about the... Uh, the, the, the next bracha goes into bringing joy to Jerusalem. Then it goes, it talks about the Garden of Eden and links the joy in gar the Garden of Eden to Jerusalem. And then the last bracha uh, talks about the, the, the joy and celebration of wedding in the streets of, of, uh, of Jerusalem and in, uh, and in Israel. So what you're doing essentially is there's, a, it's natural to be happy about the marriage of, uh, of, of, people who you, who you love and people who are in your community. But what we do is we, we contextualize it in the universe and in the purpose of man and in the ongoing from generation to generation existence of, of the Jewish people, which will, which will take us to the ultimate joy of the redemption when we can be in Israel and, and have a society built around all these values. So that, that's the whole context of the, of, of the wedding. And all the joy that we, and by contextualizing it this way, then what we do is we create the possibility for us to experience these personal joys and these animalistic pleasures in the framework of something that is, is philosophically, objectively true and good. And again, you end up with this thing where your entire self is involved in what is truly good. It's not just an, uh, an, uh, a, a base psychological pleasure. You're also involving your mind and there's a, a harmony of the entire, the, you know, you're, 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 you're devoting your entire persona, your entire person to, to the, the, the joy of true human existence, intellectually, psychologically, so, and, and socially. Uh, I don't know if that's, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, just to express what the experience is like. For those who haven't experienced it, uh, then, you know, you got you got to experience it in order to truly experience it. But it is, it is by definition, it is, is something that is, is, beyond just a physical or psychological stimulus. I mean, when, when Shlomo HaMelech, when King Solomon says in that, in that verse, what does joy accomplish? Like, yeah, yeah, you, you party, like what happens in an actual rave? Like you, you party, you have a fun time, you know, maybe you're doing it to escape some sort of, uh, of meaninglessness in your, in your life from beforehand. Uh, or, or maybe you're doing it just to engage in the pleasure and then it's over and then that's it. You know, here though, what we're doing is we are experiencing the same physical pleasures and, and connecting them to something that is actually real and lasting and, uh, and is, uh, it, it, I don't know, is, be, is beyond just this, uh, this temporal transient existence of, uh, of physicality. And uh, I just want to, uh, uh, this is kind of a last minute decision, decision here. Let me see if I can find this on YouTube. Uh, the irony is like this is <laughs> there are um, there are songs that are very popular in uh, in Jewish music. Again, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of Jewish music here. There are songs that are very popular in Jewish music and uh, and they're really the, the melodies are taken from non-Jewish songs. And a lot of people don't realize this. Right. So one of the popular songs at a Jewish wedding that they I, I think they've played this at every Jewish wedding that I've been at. 
Uh, and this is a song I actually do like, is Hashem Melech. So the lyrics of the song are Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimloch Lolam Va'ed. Hashem is king, Hashem has reigned as king, and Hashem will reign as king forever and ever. And then it talks about uh, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hashem is our God, Hashem is one. So it's a song about the most profound, important idea in Judaism, which is about God's uh, kingship and his oneness, right? So where does that song actually come from? So let me, I hope this comes out on the, uh, on the recording. So this comes from a, I, I believe this, uh, the original source of this melody is a song called C'est la vie by an artist named Khaled. Let me see if I can play this and hopefully this comes out on the recording. So, so uh, if you look at the lyrics of this song, okay, uh, and I, I, this is excerpted from the lyrics uh, from a translation online. The lyrics are, we'll find love, we'll dance. Yes, this is life. I don't regret my days with you. Whatever is the distance between us, I don't regret my days with you. They gossip about us. We'll find love, we'll dance. Yes, this is life. Okay. This is night and 1,000 nights will love forever. This is night and 1,000 nights will find love, dance. Yes, this is life. Okay. And so it, uh, whenever I hear the song at a Jewish wedding, I, 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 it is the most perfect contrast of Simcha Shal Mitzvah and Simcha Sheinah Shal Mitzvah. Because here you have the original song and it is all about dancing and love and and stuff that is just totally disconnected with anything that is, you know, in line with the with 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 true human perfection and and true happiness, what the so what, what Seneca is calling pleasure. And then you have the Jewish version, which takes that same melody and makes it about, about the ultimate source of all reality and and it's and 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 God's relationship with us and God's oneness and and it is like and and, and the crazy thing is like when you are dancing to that song and when these other people are dancing to say la vie you are feeling the same things but the Jew who knows these ideas is is experiencing something different because all of those emotions become attached to to something that is true and uh and eternal and it, again it's just like it is a delicious irony uh of i don't know if irony is the right word but it's a delicious contrast uh and perfectly expresses this idea okay i've gone on too long uh i i, uh, I apologize if this was a little scattered but uh, i i decided to make this uh episode and just you know kind of uh talk about my experience at the wedding and see what would happen and this is what happened <laughs> so uh, there's obviously a lot more to be said here about all these topics if you've gained from what you've learned here today please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss and my Zelle and PayPal are matchschneeweiss.gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss.gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. And mazel tov to Ariel and Batya on their recent marriage.